This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. Welcome to the Nikuda podcast, Parsha's boy. Parsha's boy is the uh, center episode of the story of the uh, coming out of Mitzrayim, out of Egypt. Um, it talks about the last few plagues and then goes into the mitzvahs that were necessary to perform before uh, coming out, including you know, about the matzah and about uh, the Korban Pesach and all this stuff. Um, so there are a few lessons I think we can learn from this that are quite applicable to our lives and just to, again, appreciate uh, another aspect of what the whole uh, exodus, you know, the story of the Yitzhiz Mitzrayim is all about and why it's so... Uh, central to our experience as a nation, also as uh, for each individual, and of course we go through that. We reenact that whole uh, experience during the um, Chag of Pesach, the celebration of Pesach, in a very uh, hands-on way. So, just to get another insight into another way of looking at it, um, first of all, I think we've talked about this concept of. Um, the uh, actualizing or realizing of uh, the specific mission that we have from Hashem to do in this world. Um, there is a concept of taking things from potential to reality, whereby Hashem uh, has set things up in a, in a certain way and wants us to be participants and partners in the realization of uh, of the potential that he's put into things. He gives, he, he puts a potential there for doing the right thing or the wrong thing, basically uh, whether we want to uh, behave in a way that's in, accord, in accordance with his will, with his, his roots and the way he wants things to be. Or we think we know better, and we go our own way, and we uh, very often uh, always find out <laughs> that he knows better than us. But in any case, uh, sometimes you have to learn the hard way. The point is that um, that Hashem is waiting for us to take action. But at the same time, our actions are a... Um, a preface or a, or a, a, a part of a sequence of actions which includes his actions as well. I mean, he responds to our actions. And that's an ex- extremely important thing to know in life in general, that um, every time Hashem does something, and I think we've talked about this already, that um, every time uh, we, Hashem puts us into a certain situation, he's provoking us. He's, he's uh, challenging us and, in a sense, forcing us to do something, to, to make a decision, to do to do something uh, that's going to move things along. And then once we do something, then he responds in kind and moves us to the next level. Um, so it's, it's, uh, I thought of the uh, mushal, you know, a uh, 
comparison to uh, there's something in software um, validation validation of, of passwords for security. There's something called a challenge response method whereby the system, you, you purchase something, for example, and the system gives you a certain code. And you are expected to take that code then and enter it into some place in their system. And then you get the serial number which you're going to actually uh, use to register the item that you've purchased. So it's like a, a couple stages in there of things that have to be done. So the system is challenging you back to do something. And then when you do that, you put it back into the system and the system responds with uh, something else that you're going to use. And you have to put that in as well. So you're taking multiple steps and you're interacting with the system. So I mean, you know, I love Abdullah, but I mean, obviously, this is just a just a, a, a small metaphor. But the point is that that um, when Hashem is uh, giving us a challenge, that's in a sense His initial action. And as long as we realize that that's Hashem behind it, that Hashem is actually the one that's that's challenging us with this this situation, that He's expecting us to respond to it and to do something. Um, which we then, by doing that, we then are, are kind of uh, uh, provoking or uh, uh, demanding, in a sense, a response from him. And then he responds in a way with something that we couldn't have done ourselves, but um, it, it creates a sense of involvement where we see that he cares and that he is involved and he's doing things, and, and uh, this is the, uh, the way that we interact. Um, so in this case, of course, you know, this first there was the shibit itself. The fact that even though Hashem, this had already been foretold way back by Avraham Avini by the Brisbane uh, Basurim that, that the Jews were going to be enslaved somewhere, and um, that uh, they knew that this was going to happen. Not exactly where or when, but they knew it was going to happen. So that was recognized as being something from Hashem, a situation that arose from Hashem for various reasons. And then they were in that already, so they responded by uh, uh, to calling out to Hashem for help because they knew they couldn't get out of it on their own. And um, and then Hashem uh, responded by sending Moshe Rabbeinu and, uh, to Paroi and, and all the sequence of plagues. And now he gives them these particular mitzvahs to perform in preparation for going out. And the actual going out then was, uh, was preceded by this Makas uh, Bechoyres, which Hashem himself came down and uh, into Mitzrayim to, to, uh, to, to overturn the extremely uh, deep and, uh, and uh, intense uh, tuma uh, impurity that, that ex- existed in Mitzrayim at that time, something that even Moshe Ben himself was, uh, had had uh, word, uh, had, had, had misgivings about going in there and facing that, you know, face to face. So Hashem actually went in there and did it himself, and he specifically, you know, uh, filtered out, you know, the, the homes of the Jews as opposed to the homes of the non-Jews, the, 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 the midstream. And decided, you know, who was going to get it. And then, then after that, we had, you know, in the next part, we had the whole thing with the Kriyas Yamsuf, which is also a tremendous miracle for Hashem, where Hashem basically just told Yidin, okay, you know, you just go. Don't worry about it. And don't think you're going to have, you're going to figure out the solution on your own. You're backed against the wall, but, uh, you know, depend on me and I'll, 
I'll, I'll get you through it. Um, so the main challenge for the Eden at that time, as uh, we've also said before, is simply having the trust in Hashem and the strength to be able to follow directions and just do what they're told as opposed to trying to think that they can uh, create a solution on their own. So the point is that... Um, this whole thing is about an interaction, an interrelationship. And when uh, we talk about the idea of being enslaved in a certain situation, uh, which happens to everyone, you know, usually at some time in their lives, uh, where they feel that they're just blocked and they don't have options and they're being forced to do things that they don't necessarily want to do, um, it's very often, perhaps most often, a result of their own choices. Uh, this is something that a lot of people are unwilling to accept, but sometimes people don't realize that they really do have options that they don't think they have because they tend to just follow what everybody else is doing without questioning if that's really what Hashem wants them or not, and that perhaps things could be done differently. There are all kinds of people that make lifestyle, that just kind of follow the inertia and follow the default of a certain you know, given lifestyle um, without questioning if that really has to be done that way or not, or maybe it would be better done a different way um, if that's more in accordance with what Hashem really wants. Um, so that's one thing is that we get into a certain uh, lifestyle or a certain uh, mindset which limits our options in terms of what we could, you know, what we really have to do. I, mean, I myself, for example, chose not to to buy a car when I came to Eretz Yisrael. I just decided I don't want that. Not only do I don't want the burden of it, but I, and, the, and the cost, but I also don't want that type of lifestyle which uh, pretty much uh, just knowing myself and knowing you know how most people react cuts per a person off from nature and from the whole option of walking from one place to another. They just take it for granted that you, you take the car. You know, so uh, not only does that mean that you don't get the exercise, but also you don't see what's going on in the world around you. And uh, if you're in a place that's very beautiful, uh, naturally and, and uh, otherwise, uh, that you want to interact with the surroundings, then the best way to do it is to walk. Um, so... This is just one of the uh, examples of things that a person could think differently about. Uh, just recently, I started davening the Seekin, you know, at, uh, at, uh, by the dawn, uh, which I never did before, which means getting up, you know, considerably earlier than I did in the past. And that also has very, very major advantages, I've found. <clears throat> was something that I maybe just would never have thought of doing, and I uh, decided to... to to experiment with it, you know, to try it out, and sure enough, I find that it's uh, I like it very much. So anyway, that's that's just a, on, a, on a very simple level. Um, so on the one hand, we're talking about looking at things differently and experimenting with things so that you're not locked into a particular lifestyle that you think is just uh, taken for granted that, you know, that's the way we do things and we don't have, uh, there's no other way of doing it. Um, there's another thing, though, in terms of this idea of in order to bring something from potential into reality, um, we're talking about a, a, a deeper level of appreciation of what it means to relate to Hashem on a daily basis. In other words, part of our mindset that holds us back, and that's just to, to uh, 
uh, to relate this to the parsha, we have the whole question of who was Paroi and what was he trying to accomplish? What was his, what was his agenda? So Paroi is, is, is the letters Oiruf. Oiruf. Oiruf is talking about the back of the neck. And uh, the Chazal bring down that, physically speaking, the back of the neck is, 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 is kind of a, um, uh, a gateway. It's kind of a... a um, uh, a portal or whatever, an opening from the head into the body, and what that it's it's a it's it's a, a place that you know you think of like a, a gatekeeper or somebody that's that's standing a shomer, somebody that's a guard standing at a at a at, at a bottleneck where he's able to control the traffic from one area into another. So the we're talking here that the neck, the back of the neck, is is the place which which links the mind, the the, the brain, to the rest of the body, which is this, which gets things done, which is the sort of scene of the action. So you're uh, so you're 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 talking about the connection between the mind and the body, which is the di- which is the connection between thinking something and actually getting it done. You know, sending the messages from the mind into the body. So. Paroi wants to be able to control that. He wants to be able to to cut that off if, if necessary. Firstly, he wants to be able to 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 uh, control the mind itself, what's going into the mind, and also the ability of the mind to actually bring something from concept into to completion, to bring it into action from from thought. So, on the one hand, he wants to make sure that the thoughts themselves are not particularly advanced, you know, to make them controllable, and then he wants to make sure that if anything comes up that is a little more advanced, uh, it's not going to uh, get anywhere. It's not going to be able to actually come into action. So the way it accomplishes that, this is the, I'm talking about the Eitzahara, the Sitra Akra, the, the uh, anti-God uh, aspect of, of, of the world, is trying to to convince people, first of all, is this concept a concept of katnasamoichan? This idea of of um, uh, a kind of immature thought, a thought, thoughts that are not particularly deep or penetrating or original or uh, insightful. Um, it's it's low level thinking. So, first thing to do for that this is to accomplish the, the goals of the Sitra Akra, the Sahara, is to make sure that a person's thinking is on a very simple level. That he doesn't he, he disqualifies thoughts that are ad, a little more uh, adventurous, let's say, a little more uh, a little different than he's used to thinking. Um, something that's a little deeper, uh, more consequential, more more insightful. So a person very often will sim- will reject um, thoughts that they might even acknowledge have truth to them, and are talking deeper than the way they're usually used to thinking, simply because they're afraid of thinking too deeply, because that might uh, that might uh, encourage some kind of change, that they should actually be behaving differently or acting differently or you know changing their lifestyle or whatever, in accordance with the truth of those thoughts. So the first thing is to make sure that the thoughts themselves are kept on a very low level. The person, the person is skeptical. He doesn't want to hear if there's certain things. He doesn't want to consider certain things. If it's not something that he's used to thinking about, uh, he might be afraid of the consequences of thinking a certain way. So he'll disqualify and filter out uh, a lot of uh, ways that he could be uh, that, that he could be 
coming to um, you know a higher level of thought. The second thing would be to say, well, okay, uh, maybe these things are are good to think about, but I can't possibly apply them in my life because I'm not on that level, or it's it's just too hard, or it's just too different, or it's just too too um, uh, too demanding. So that would be the second thing to say. You know, maybe I could in, in I could you know, uh, play with certain thoughts, play around, you know, uh, uh, entertain certain thoughts uh, that are dealing with living at a higher level, but um, I'm certainly not going to apply them into action. So that's the idea of cutting off the brain from the body. You just, you know, you're, you're, you're willing to entertain certain, you're learning about certain things, you're reading certain types of books, you're, 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 you're involved on that level, but you're not willing to put it into action. So, and of course, we're talking here about things that exposing oneself to the right types of material. And once a person is committed to Yiddishkeit, they're obviously going to, I mean, if they have any brains at all, they're going to look into thinking deeper about Yiddishkeit as opposed to going around and thinking about other alternative philosophies or religions or whatever that uh, aren't even their own, uh, which makes absolutely no sense. So the point is that um, when they have so much that they haven't discovered of their own uh, from their own culture and religion to go around looking at others is uh, is, is uh, pretty foolish. But anyway, the point is that you um, you start to you you first have to make that it was this this business of being cut off the mind from the body is an enslavement that means that you're locked into a certain type of behavior or certain types of of mind, mindset lifestyle um uh you know activities uh whatever it it it's you're you're not acting in terms of what is true or what is even in your best interests uh, in an ultimate sense because you're so locked into just the inertia of continuing what you've been doing, you know, all along. Okay, so that's that's a, a, an element of enslavement. Now, how does a person get out of that? So what we see in Yitzhiz Mitzrayim is that the only way to get out of it was by looking at your own allegiance and looking at, you know, who is really in charge and who is my boss and who am I taking on as my authority that I want to follow. So as long as you consider to yourself to be a slave of Paroi, and Paro is my boss, and Paro is telling me what to do, so then I don't have much of a choice about it. I'm just, you know, locked into it again for, forever. I'm locked into this is, my, is, is, is the way I have to be. But if I all of a sudden start to think of who's really the boss and who's really in charge and who really set up this whole thing, then, uh, you know, I consider that this really Hashem. So now Hashem is the one who's really calling the shots and not Paroi. And I'm switching my allegiance and saying, I'm not, if Paroi is not my king, Hashem is my king. So that uh, creates a radically different picture. And now all of a sudden, not only do I realize that Hashem is my boss, but Hashem is my creator, and Hashem is the one who's sustaining my life. 
So my entire life force is coming from him. So when Paro is 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 uh, at the switch, he's at, at, at the switchboard, the, the 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 control board, you know, the dashboard. So when he is controlling the flow of energy, uh, and you know, turning it up when it's, it's it, it suits him, and turning it down when it suits him. So you know, if you're sitting in a in a Gomorrah shear or something, you're falling asleep because uh, as far as power is concerned, it's better that you don't hear this, um, as opposed to when you're uh, involved in some entertainment thing, you know, you're putting the thing full blast because you want to you know, experience that to the ultimate, then, he's, then it'll turn up the energy level. I mean, all of this stuff is, you know, under his control. But when you take yourself out of that control and you say, you know, who am I listening to? Who am I following? Who, who is controlling my, my life here? You know, who's controlling my, the, the level at which I respond to things? And I see that that's really Paro doing it instead of instead of Hashem, then I see there's really a problem here. So, um, so it goes be, even beyond that. Because when we're talking about this idea of, of this, this challenge response idea, so if if I'm really looking at, first of all, this concept of pulling myself back and out, as the Yisrael Mitzrayim is realizing that what is around me, what's limiting me, what's the, the gavulis, the, the, uh, the, the finite aspect of, of, of re- reality, so to speak, is the Mitzrayim, the Mitzar Yam, the Mitzar, the boundaries. So as long as I'm within those constraints, and I feel that I'm subject to those constraints. That's this idea of shibit of of of, uh, of of being a slave. If I pull myself out of there and realize that if I if I uh, realize that that my real allegiance is to Hashem Himself, and Hashem is without boundaries and He's limitless, then my possibilities all of a sudden become limitless because now. I have the strength of Hashem behind me as opposed to having this, this very limited uh, strength when I'm under the power of the, the influence of the, of the Sitra Akra, and which is, is, is specifically trying to keep me as, you know, continually enslaved. It doesn't want to let me out of the box uh, at, at all. So I'm, you know, as long as I'm still in that mindset, then I, I don't have anywhere to go. But when all of a sudden I pull myself out of that, then I also all of a sudden have a lot of options. Okay, so the first thing then is to, to pull myself out. That's the idea of sur ra, getting out of the place where the evil is, you know, where the evil meaning those things that are trying to get me away from Hashem's uh, uh, influence. And uh, I pull myself out of that, and then, I, then, I'm, then I'm looking for Hashem. Then I'm looking, you know, to, to, to interact, to access Hashem. And lo and behold, most often I find that Hashem is a lot closer than I thought. In other, in, in other words, once I, I divest myself of the assumptions of the world, so to speak, and I start to look at what the world is according to Hashem, you know, what, what does that look like? Then, and I see that Hashem is a real power that is influencing my life in all you know in in all kinds of ways and in a, in a much much deeper level than this uh this superficial uh Sidraka stuff so also i say he's i, I realize he's really is there and he's listening and he's aware and he cares and he loves me and he wants me to love him and he's like running after me so 
once I see in terms of Hashkocha Pratis and I just see Hashem in the world around me and Hashem is really responsible for giving me everything and having and all my koichas come from Hashem and all this stuff that, you know, we learn about that we're supposed to be aware of. But the question is how much we really are aware of on a, on a day-by-day basis. Then, especially when we look at certain types of activities and we put a real effort into reaching out to Hashem through those specific activities. And I'll give a couple examples. I mean, um, because these are the times that a person is kind of alone with themselves and they have an opportunity or, or they're in a, you know, a, a, a identifiably Jewish community experience. They, they, these are opportunities to connect to Hashem <clears throat> on a really personal basis and establish that connection to the point where we are then again, interacting. We'll be seeing what does Hashem want me to do, what posi- what situations is Hashem putting me into where he wants me to, you know, to, to see how I'm going to act, the test, so to speak. He's, he's, he's trying to, you know, see, giving me the challenges of how I'm going to, how I'm going to handle this. And then, after doing it, I see how Hashem responds. Because I'm, I'm again, I'm, I'm calling, I'm, 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 I'm asking Hashem to respond. I want Hashem to respond. I'm looking for His response. I'm not trying to avoid it. I'm not trying to ignore it. I'm not trying to run away from it because I really don't want to know that He's there. So, so here I'm, I'm, you know, and again, what are those times? So one of the times is waking up in the morning, especially if you, if you, the earlier you wake up is probably the better in terms of finding Hashem because when the world is quieter and when, you know, the, the world is waking up and, and you, you experience nature on a different level and the idea, especially if you want to with the, with the, uh, with the sunrise, it's, it's a very spiritual time of day. Um, when you realize that Hashem has, you know, the, uh, I was just thinking, that Hashem has set up this world in order to uh, interact with us, you know, because he, he loves us and he's doing us this for our sake and he wants to have that connection with us. So when in the morning we are... Um, where the first thing we do is is see Hashem in the creation, that's a very powerful time. And also, you realize that the, that you know the the morning is a time when uh, things are happening outside of you. So you 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 become conscious of the fact that there are these, you know, the sun is going is 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 we're moving around the sun or the sun's moving around us, whatever it is. The the, 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 uh, the you know the whole moon and sun and stars thing uh, is something that's happening, you know, is, is happening with us or without us. It's it's constant all the time movement. Um, and then, you know, the, the waking up of nature and the world in terms of the wildlife and everything else. Then there's the davening. So the davening is a very, very powerful, and again, the more you study the davening, the more on, on deeper levels, the more you appreciate how, how powerful that is. And then, so davening itself in general is a time when we confront Hashem and we're praising Him and we're asking for things and we're, you know, we're, we're uh, acknowledging His, his existence <laughs> and, 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 and seeing all the different aspects of existence. We're talking about Yisrael Mitzrayim as one of the biggest uh, aspects of, of, of Jewish tefillah. So that's a big thing. And then then you've got eating, which eating is a very, very big experience in Yiddishkeit. Is how to again we're 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 
recognizing food as a source of spiritual en energy as well as physical energy and all the, the brilliance that goes into the food and the central experience of the food and all the, the things that food represents and the fact that here we have something that Hashem is mamish putting on our plate, he's, he's putting in our mouths, he's, he's giving us something that we can access with all of our senses. And it's uh, also, you know, you, you learn about, about uh, deeper... Uh, uh, deeper levels of sparks and, you know, things of, that are being elevated through our uh, making brachas on the food and all this stuff. So this is also a time to, again, use that time that through the food we are actually feeling and contacting Hashem. So, so these are just a few of the areas, and then at night, of course, again, you know, this is the whole cycles of the now, now, now it's getting dark, and now you know, going to the idea of Amuna and even, even seeing Hashem and believing in Hashem, you know, like accessing the concept of belief, even when we don't understand everything. This is all, you know, huge, very, very. Uh, Deep and uh, significant stuff that could be talked about for a long time. But wh all I'm trying to do here is to open people's minds, uh, and everybody needs this at some time because everybody gets into ruts and everybody gets into times when they are not thinking so deeply about things um, and they're not so inspired and they take things for granted. And one of the biggest problems is that people just don't see things after a while they, they take they, they 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 take things for granted they just uh they, they the familiar familiarity breeds contempt so they're not looking at things with open eyes anymore so i'm just talking about looking at the concept of the yisidus mitzrayim as a renewal on a daily basis of, of making an effort to really um to really conceptual, not only conceptualize, but meet Hashem on his own terms, so to speak, and see him through the creation and through the mitzvahs that he set up for that purpose, specifically, in order to interact with us and see him in our lives and how he's responding to what we do and uh, how we, he's expecting us to respond for what he does. So, uh, anyway, in the kids, sir, that's basically one of the data across, and I hope uh, I, I made some points here that uh, will be of, uh, of use. Bye.